Well, we're in the middle of Lent season. Lent is to Easter as Advent is to Christmas. So we find ourselves in the middle of this time where we are preparing our hearts, our minds, um, our bodies, our mental capacities to walk through with Jesus in his suffering, walk through with him on the way to the cross so that Easter Sunday, a time that all Christians celebrate as the mighty resurrection really directs us in the life that we go. So during Lent, we've been talking about Jesus says in John, I am. He describes himself in John. And we're looking at seven different statements that he made. We started out with Jesus is the bread, and then Jesus is the light. Last week, Pastor Adam preached on Jesus is the door, But not only the door, he's also the good shepherd. And that's where we're going to land today and talk a little bit about the story of the good shepherd. If you would, would you stand for the reading of the scripture of God's holy word? This is from John 10, 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of God for the people of God, and we all say together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we talk about this story, um, over the past year, a couple of years, we've talked a lot about the narratives of who you see God as, who do you see Jesus as, and how do you find yourself in this story? You know, the story of of redemption, the story of the Bible. It's not written to end in Revelation. It continues until Jesus Christ comes again. So tonight, as we study the scriptures, I want you to be 
um, inspecting yourself of where do I fall in this particular story. Jesus used this parable in the middle of an argument with the Pharisees. And last week, Pastor Adam touched on chapter 9, the chapter before this one. And I want to go back to the scripture and kind of lay some groundwork uh, for the parable of the Good Shepherd. There are a lot of truths there. Jesus healed a blind man. Now, normally you would say that's a very commendable thing to do, right? I mean, someone who can't see, and now he can see, that's a miracle. That's awesome. But the Pharisees did not see it that way. Word comes back to them that Jesus healed this blind man, but he did, he did it on the Sabbath, which was totally against the law of God. And so they reacted. The Pharisees' job that they saw, they took their jobs very, very seriously. First of all, they loved God. And they believed with all their hearts that they were doing right. And what their job was is to take care of the flock to make sure that they did not break any rules of God. I would imagine them having a checklist And every Sabbath day, they were probably checking off who's here, who did this. Did you work? No, you can't work on the Sabbath. And and over here, I, I saw you doing this. You can't do that. These are the laws of God. And the most important thing is not to break the law of God. So the Pharisees saw their job as they were judges. Not only that, but they, when they would hear something, they would go out and investigate. And from that, they would make a decision, and then they would act on that decision. So that's what they did when they heard about this man being cured of blindness. They went to the man, and they quizzed him. They gave him many, many questions, and they found out, number one, that Jesus was the one who had healed him. And then they quizzed him about, you know, have you really been blind or are you lying? Because this is the Sabbath and no one breaks a law on the Sabbath. To them, this was a total offense to God himself if someone broke a rule. The man assured him them that he had been blind and that he could now see. And they didn't believe him. Because it was their job, right? And so they found out where this man lived. They went to visit his mother and his father. And they quizzed them. They cross-examined them. you got to tell us about this boy of yours. He's saying he was blind. Is that true? And they came away from there. And they found out that, yes, our child was born blind. Pharisees still didn't believe it. They just threw it out. Because no one could cross God on the Sabbath. This, I think we have a hard time understanding that. But to them, this was real. This was their life. This was their life work, is to protect the laws of God. And so they deemed this man unworthy 
and they kicked him out of the synagogue because their job primarily was to keep the synagogue full of purity. So no sinners were allowed in the synagogue. Pastor Bud, if we did that with community church, I'm not sure anybody and you and I would not be here, right? Right. But, but this was their job, is to keep it holy and, and at all cost because you have to keep these rules. And so they believed that what happened in the tabernacle on, on that Sabbath day was fake news. You heard of fake news recently? And they just could not accept it. And so they asked probing questions, and they tested this man's qualifications for even being out on the Sabbath. And when he didn't pass, they simply kicked him out. Now look at Jesus' relationship to the blind man. He didn't see a rule was being broken. He saw that he was giving help to someone in great need. He had compassion. He displayed the love of God by displaying the compassion of God. Notice, he he didn't quiz the man when he first met him. He didn't quiz him about his history, about his sin, about his parents. He just saw this man in, in need, and he knew that he could perform a miracle and help this man. So the Pharisees would argue, what good does it do to heal a man's blindness in such a way that he becomes more of a sinner than what he was before? What does that even mean? They go on to say, this is the most precious thing that you can do is keep the law of God. The responsibility of a leader, they would say, has for another person is to enforce that law. If you go around healing people without making sure they obey that law, you are in the long run not helping them at all. So they ask, what's better here? To be blind all your life and yet be submissive to the rules and then go to heaven? Or to have the gift of sight through this life but be indifferent to the rules and end up going to hell. They saw it this way, black and white. Clearly, to them, it was better to be blind and go to heaven than to see and go to hell. Now, polar opposite, look at Jesus' response. What good does it do to keep the rules if a person becomes less as a person? if he stays blind, when you could actually cure the blindness. The important reality is the love of God, the compassion of God. What is better, to be perfectly right and stand before God and say, God, you cannot find anything that I've done wrong. Look at all these years of checklists that I have kept. Nothing wrong. I'm perfect. I have kept every rule. Or is it better to plunge yourself into the loving, caring, personal relations with God and others, with all the difficulties, with all the messiness involved? 
Then Jesus, in his most impactful way, the greatest storyteller of all times, tells the story of the good shepherd that we just read. Knowing that the Pharisees would understand, so he spoke in their language. Because you, you see, they knew, they knew their scriptures well. They knew the scriptures inside and out of the Old Testament. They knew what Toby read, Psalms 23.1. They knew that. And so Jesus decided to talk to them in a way that they would understand. Because of where they were from, sheep were common, shepherds were common. And so they also knew in Isaiah 40.11, God will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. They also knew the frightening passage from Ezekiel that Pastor Adam referred to last week, which goes like this. Ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourself, should not shepherds feed their sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fatlings, and you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not sought the lost. Thus says the Lord God, I am against these shepherds. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them. The Pharisees knew this. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, he has three calls to action when he talks about the good shepherd parable. First of all, and most important, he says, I will lay down my life for my sheep. Not just once, but four times he repeats this in today's scripture. It is what we call a prelude to the cross, laying down his life for a sheep. Where are we in this story? We are the sheep. He is the good shepherd. If one of us needs help, he comes to the point that he gives up his own life in order that we could live. What an absolutely beautiful story of the cross that Jesus doesn't care if it's messy. He goes out and the sheep are dirty. He gets his hands dirty so much that he's willing to suffer for all the likes of us as sheep. Where are we in the story? We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. But we are also taught in the Bible that we need to be like Jesus. Jesus is our model. So we are called to be good shepherds. And who are our sheep? Are there sheep out of the pen that we need to look look for and try to bring them in? We are the good shepherd, but are we? Are we willing to see the invisible people of our time? Are we willing to see actually these real human beings in need 
in human trafficking? Or is it just another story on the news and we easily turn off CNN? We're the good shepherd as well as being the sheep. Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You see, Jesus loves you more than what you will ever understand. I'm convinced that if you were the only person on this earth, Jesus would have died on the cross for you. That's how much he loves you. I heard someone say not long ago, you know, I can accept God being present and almighty, but I just can't accept him kind of as my father. I just don't feel that, you know, he loves me. I think he's concerned for our, all people but me. And, and I was so saddened to hear that because that's a false narrative. If you go back and read Psalms 139 and let it just wash over you about how God created you in the womb, he knows everything about you. He knows inside and out what you're thinking. He has the number of hairs on your head numbered. That's how much he loves you. And he says in in this recognition that he knows his sheep, but also he wants his sheep to know who he is. There are many, many leaders, especially in our world today, who can lead well, but they don't want people to know who they are. And so they keep a distance. I mean, we're one of the few churches where your elders want to be transparent to you. We want you to know that, that we have challenges and we have difficulties. And we want you to know us and we want to know you. Jesus also said, I know my Father. God wants you to know all about him. He wants you to continually be striving to go deeper in love with him. He wants you to constantly be a student and learn more about him so that the more you know, the more he can reveal. And this is a journey. Sometimes I think we, we as church people get inoculated. Um, we go to Walgreens and we get a flu shot a little bit of the flu they put inside of us to prevent us from getting the full spread flu, right? How many of you had your flu shot? Yes, good for you. And, and sometimes I feel like we are inoculated with Jesus. And let me explain what I mean by that. A kid grows up in a home and the parents set him down and say, look, kid, do you want to go to heaven with us? Or do you want to go to hell? And the kid says, hmm, I want to go with y'all. And so he says what he needs to say. He, he does what he needs to do. And then he is content with living a fruitless life. And I have to question, does he really know Jesus? You know, we get inoculated thinking that, okay, we've got the past. We got the shot, we're in heaven, 
Now everything else is just la-la land between now and then. How false that is, a false narrative. There's a third action that Jesus talks about in knowing that there are sheep outside of the pasture. He must bring them in. And he says in the scripture that he will bring them in so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. In this scripture, we're told that the Jews were divided when they heard this, that someone, some of them were convinced that Jesus was possessed by a demon. And then other Jews said, a demon can't do a miracle like this. And so they're questioning. They're starting to question. And, and Jesus loves the Pharisees. You know, I've always thought that Jesus probably got so angry with them and kind of, you know, was, no, 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 no. He came for the Pharisees just like he came for the rest of us. And that they wouldn't hear doesn't stop him from loving them. He wants them as much as he wants anybody. Who do you say Jesus is? C.S. Lewis, um, Josh McDowell talk about uh, Jesus is either who he says he is, or he's a liar and a lunatic, or he's Lord. And God has given us each freedom to choose Who is Jesus? And I just wonder right now, I wonder who you think he is. We all have role models. Um, There's a two-year-old living next to us, and he's all about Batman. I think the first words Jasper learned to say was Batman. He's growing into this where his hero is Batman. And no doubt, in a couple of years, it'll be something else, and then something else, and then something else. But I think we all, as brothers and and sisters in Christ, want our hero to be Jesus. Amen? We, We want to be more like Jesus in our character. We, we want to be pulled toward him. We want our behavior to change. Sometimes we have an anger problem, I, and I do as much as anybody else. I get angry on 75. I get angry at home with Sid. I get angry with my kids, my grandchildren. This is just a true confession right here. But Lord, make me more like yourself. I want to be humble. I want to be a good shepherd to those around me. I want to be a good shepherd starting in my home and going out from there to the friends that I have, to the extended family that I have, but but also to strangers, the invisible people, the people who are suffering in loneliness and sadness. I, I, I want to roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty because I want to be more like Jesus. So as you think about this, are you more like the Pharisee 
And that's okay because I saw myself in the Pharisees. I saw myself hanging on to things that I just believe so much that I have blinded myself. Not only have I blinded myself, but I came to a point where I could not change. And I think that's where the Pharisees see themselves. They believed so much in what they believed that they were not open to change, even though they knew the Scripture of the Old Testament inside and out. They heard these scary predictions and prophecies from Ezekiel. They, they knew these things, but they just couldn't let themselves get there because they were right. Are you the Pharisee? Are you the sheep in the pen? Are you, are you wanting to get close to the shepherd because the shepherd is full of goodness and, and you just want to be lavished on by the shepherd? You want to be loved on. You want to feel his protection. You want to know that, that you are safe. And that's exactly what Jesus wants you where he wants you to feel safe, provided for, protected, loved. Are you the good shepherd? You have your own flocks, right? Starting in the home. You stay-at-home moms. You guys have a mission field right there. Those are your sheep. You're going to care for them. Chances are you would lay down your life for one of your kids. Wouldn't you lay down your life for a stranger? I've got a long way to go, guys. I want to be a good shepherd. I want to follow Jesus. I want to know more and more and more about him so that he can totally transform my life so that at the end of life, he says, well done, you good and faithful servant. This parable that Jesus tells is an absolute beautiful parable. There are so many truths in it. Jesus is willing and did lay down his life for you. Jesus says, I want to know you more and more and more. I want to know everything about you, but I want you to know me. And there are others out there. Kingdom work, we call it. We need to go. We need to be Jesus to these people outside of the flock. Pastor Adam shared a story with me by Deb Hurst from Australia. Uh, she knows about sheep because they're very common there. And she talks about a Japanese tourist who came in. And the Japanese tourist was like, why don't you have pens around your sheep so that they'll just stay and you don't have to worry about them wandering off? And Deb said, well, we dig a well because we recognize that the sheep need water. And the sheep will stay close to the water because it's part of their living that they need to be there. And, and Adam said, just think about the church and what it does. 
We have a well of living water. His name is Jesus. And our flock stays close because they want this living water because it is essential to life. Let me pray. Dear Jesus, gather together your sheep, Lord. Those who are lost, search out. Those who are strayed, bring back. Those who are wounded, bind their wounds. Those who are sick, cure. Those bearing young, watch over them. All of your sheep, Father. Keep them safe in your flock. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Bud and Carla if they will come up. A time of our service of taking the Eucharist, our communion, a very sacred time, a time to, to as community, come by and receive the elements that Jesus shared with his disciples so long ago. Take the bread and remember that his body was broken for you. That's how much he loved you. And, and take the juice and remember the blood that was spilled just for you on the cross. This is a time as a community where we come together so I'm going to ask you if you would stand and let me pray, and then if you will come down and receive this gift. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have this plan of redemption for all peoples in the world. Thank you for that. Thank you, Father, that you laid your life down for each of us on the cross but then you defied death and you rose on Easter morning Father and because of that we can live with hope knowing that you will come again one day for us so Father I pray that you will bless this bread I pray that you will bless the cup and Father I pray Pray for each of us as we receive these elements that we will receive your love and your compassion as the good shepherd for our lives. Amen. I pray that the God of peace will give you every good thing you need so you can do what he wants. God raised from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep because of the blood of his death. His blood began the eternal agreement that God made with his people. I pray that God will do in us what pleases him through Jesus Christ. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>